There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, folks, welcome to the latest and the greatest from the Yonko table. That is the voice of Grandmaster Hoop coming at you. And you know what it is. It's Monday following Euphoria Sunday. That's right. We're here covering the penultimate episode of Euphoria with a title I do not remember. However, we will promptly refer to this episode as The Play. That's right. Lexi Howard's play. We're here. We've been waiting all season. Here we go. But before we go ahead and deep dive this play and all its intricacies and the greatness of this episode, let's hear who's at the table with us today. We got some supernovas. So without further ado, here's featured today. This is Nisa's Pieces, and I'm here to put together all the pieces. It's the one, the only, Nino Desplazado. Who's that dork? It's Dars. All right. Okay. The play. We made it. Episode 7, Season 2, penultimate episode. A lot, of, a lot of buzz was going around about this play and what it would bring and what it would air out for a lot of these characters. And I think the show does a really good job at putting you in the audience with all the characters just watching the play unfold. I, <laughs> I really enjoyed watching this play. It is the weirdest little uh like hipster type of uh there's an avant grand type of play going on here i don't know if i use that correctly but that's the vibe (laughs) that's the vibe i'm getting i'm i'm just saying i am a satisfied audience member are y'all satisfied audience members i loved it i thought this is probably my favorite episode so far yeah it's probably the best episode just because it took a lot of risk with all the characters and really fleshed them out and took really interesting ways of um, shots and filmmaking. Um, Definitely had that, what do you call it? That uh, Godfather vibe when the overture came up and then it shifted into the, what do you call it? Into the fabric of of the wall we were staring at or something. Definitely took risk this play, but it's not over. Crazy to think that that was only act one. Uh, I I was totally caught off guard. Like I was like so invested in it, and then when it said to be continued, I'm like, did a whole hour go by? Like I I was I was dumbfounded. I thought the play did a beautiful job at really transitioning between like the past and the present. Really forming it together. I thought that that was super interesting. And and I I agree. I feel like this was my favorite episode the whole season. I feel like it just gave a lot of context behind like a lot of things we're questioning. You know, like what happened between Maddie and Cassie after they ran upstairs, you know. Good point. Good point. It really brought us, you know. It gave us, Lex. I think what I like the most about it is it really gave us Lexi's perspective, you know, someone other than Ruse, 
perspective on how everything was going down. And I just thought it was, I don't know, heartwarming. I think, you know, in the beginning of the play, we see that, you know, Lexi mentions, you know, um, I forgot what exactly she said, but like how, you know, during that moment when I Rue's dad's funeral, she realized that drugs were more of a comfort than she could ever be to Rue. And it's just like, I feel like, um, and I feel like the only person in the show that really, you know, truly understands Rue for the most part is Fez. You know, he's really patient and understanding with her, but I think it would might've been nice for Rue to know like, okay, there was someone else, you know, who really understood me as well. It's not just Fez. And then of course Ali think, as well, but. I think we were starting to see that a little bit. Like when Rue was like in the audience and she was seeing Lexi's point of view of it all. I think she was like, wow, she really gets me. Like she really like, has been there for me for all of it, you know? Okay. And yeah. I do want to say like that quote in that beginning, oh, it was oh, so the, like- The I bell tower, it. the bell tower quote? Yes. Let, yeah, um, like last let year the we darkness had that be a quote with WandaVision where, you know, what is grief, grief. not love yes. for caring? And then now we have this year's grief quote where it's, you know, I forgot the, how the beginning went. Oh, I'm gonna butcher I, it I meant to write it down. Um, but but it, I know it's like- it's an actual like, poem, though. Like, it didn't come up. Oh, year. the bell tower? Or are you talking about the valley? The bell oh. tower. Oh, okay, never mind. I can't remember the bell oh, tower. Oh, no, I was talking about the valley one, where they were like, grief is like a short journey, or grief is a journey that no, it's, is... It's grief oh. is a long valley, or... With every know. turn. Uh, every uh, bend, every turn. It, it opens, opens up new adventure. Yeah, new something like that. Man, we are bushing it <laughs> we for the are. audience. But they, and those who have seen the episode they know what we're talking about but yeah. man i gotta say that was it was very moving and it was cool to see like even before lexi was in co- in high school she had like that intellectual like vibe that she was like reading books and poems and all of that stuff yeah um well that yeah you know that's the thing about the beauty of the poem was i'm sorry the, the play everybody got yeah someone else's perspective where a lot of these characters are kind of like on their downward spiral per se and here's someone who always kind of held them in a very high regard when other people projected these images of them um you know these societal images but then you have a fly on a wall like lexi who really just kind of puts things in perspective and uh i put it i put it i put the quote she she gave a quote in the early part of the episode she said you know she lived most of her life in her imagination, taking the smallest moments and dreaming them up into something bigger. So what we saw on the play was a lot of small moments she's had with her friends in our life. They're alive. The name of the play. Oh my gosh. When that title sequence popped up, I was like, it was just so cringe because she was like, our life. And she was so excited. And then the when she, like, when she did that, I thought the play was going to go downhill from there. I was like, oh, no one's going to like this play. Um, but it ended up like they were pretty receptive. Like the whole audience was pretty receptive towards it. I'm like, all right, you go, Lexi. It was it was very well crafted. It was very well crafted. And did you by any chance see the uh, Enter Euphoria for this episode? No, 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 oh, no, no. It, it ended for me. I tried to see it and it ended. OK, like, so right when after you the go back, so when like, you when you watch it the next day, it's there. When you play the episode, 
Nope. I, I started it like at 857. I don't know what you guys are watching, but it's there. It's if not you, there when I started at 857. So if you after if you go back to the episode and click on the episode and click back, it takes you to like the episode page and then it has like enter euphoria and the sneak peek. Yep. Then it's gonna sneak anyway, peek either. in the in the enter euphoria, um the I can't remember her name, but Lexi when she was in high school, she did a production of like her musical, like whatever musical they were doing in school. And she just remembers she was like a total dictator. And she was like so harsh in that. And they were laughing about it behind scenes. And then the director was like, actually, let's go ahead and put that in here. Like, why don't you kind of be like a little bit of a monster, like a little bit of a director? Like, I feel like that would add a little bit more of a, a funnier note to like this whole scene. And so they kind of did it like, like they did it right there and and they made her be so like vicious with stuff <laughs> like a, a director zilla yeah um, and she had her lieutenant right there with her too um what, so like, what's her name um bb i think oh right? something yeah something like that she was vb or bb yeah she, she was great she's like uh hey if you don't get these lights right, we're going to fucking replace you right now. Yeah. With who? Don't fucking matter. Don't fuck up. <laughs> a three-year-old, a blind three-year-old could do a better job. Than you <laughs> she was great, too. Um, so, oh, let's... And, oh. like, that one, when she was in the dressing room and she, and she gave, like, that critical note. Oh, the, about... And Cassie's doppelganger started crying and she's like, it's constructive criticism. Like take it and go, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Lexi, where is this coming from? I kind of <laughs> like this kind of Lexi. This She's is... like, it's the theater. Yes, it's and the this theater. is her life. This is her baby. She wants her baby to come out correct. So, and I gotta love like the thematic elements of Lexi as a character, like always looking through the window at stuff, even while the play is going on. She's still looking through the window. Is definitely um, an idea of the main character being a witness to a lot of these things happening. Yeah. Um, what you know, we we brought up theme, we brought up some you know some things, but uh, it's just very interesting to to know about when and where these um, stand-ins get replaced in the scenes because when we Ooh. first start, the 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 three um, you know. Hallie, Marta, and Luna are there, but Rue is is Rue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and with every scene that we see of her that it's like a flashback, it's real Rue, except when they make it abundantly clear that it's on stage. And then slowly you start peeling back, and then slowly they start becoming different, like the real characters. You know, like with that scene with Maddie. Um, Maddie becomes Maddie, it's not Marta. You know, yes. Um, uh -huh. So, um, I think it was really interesting on how they did it because there's a. It really is the idea that it's playing on the idea that there is a stage production going on, but we are also watching a production of something. So it's playing with multiple fourth wall breaks. Oh, I love um, that! I thought it was a totally new dimension that they took it to, and yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah it, it definitely it, it blended at times. You could even tell. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Then, there were so it, many scenes I'm like, oh shoot, that's that's Maddie. That's actually Maddie this time. Or I'm like, dang, like that Cassie doppelganger really looks like Cassie. Like I was 
shook it. Yeah. It definitely <laughs> reminded me of um, what do you call it of Tick Tick Boom, uh, because they they kind of played with that. Um, because the beginning of the show or the beginning of the movie is kind of showing it like, oh, this is actually real life with Andrew Garfield, and this is him us recording his, you know, our what do you call it, uh, Jonathan Larson's show to the fake show about his life, then to his real life in the movie. Yeah, it kind of was very much like that dimension hopping, where it was like stage, real life, and then you know. They, they, I don't think they ever, um, the show ever forgot that this was a real show about people, but it definitely went to some fantastical places. Let me start with these fantastical pieces. Let, no, 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 no. I'm gonna start. You can't. I'm well, starting. Wait. No, no, no. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't want you to. I, I, I you're. I know where you. I mean, I don't know where you're gonna go in. Okay. I, I want to kind of do it structurally, you know. Oh, of um, course. And I'm so sure it's well. gonna. I'm the sure it's gonna come up. Cool when it gets there you know but this play is really broken up into it's it's a character piece mm -hmm. so i thought we'd take it character by character and what we got out of it um and i'm sure it's gonna come up i just want to take right. it structurally and then you can right. you can you know, have that yes <laughs> I, I i know we're excited don't you worry we got a real back Oh, I, I need you every once in a while. <laughs> I, it's okay. No, no, you're okay. You're okay. Just let me set you up and you take that bait. Okay. And you, that goes for all y'all. Y'all y'all take the bait. All right. Let's start us off. Let's do this. So, yeah, you know, we talked about the layers of the play. Let's get into the characters of the play. So, Grace. Grace is Lexi. What do you feel you got out of her character? from this play as we got a, her perspective like we, this is this is great because we knew that lexi was always like a fly on the wall but like we got to actually see her perspective on a lot of these things it was it, the opening part when it was like hi i'm grace like my sister is you know i can't remember their their doppelganger name so Hallie. 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 my sister is hallie her best friend is maddie Maddie's best friend is Kat. You know, like it kept on like it wasn't like a uh like oh like we're all best friends. It was like they they're best friends with the with this person, but this person is best friends with this person, and this person's best friends with this person. So it kind of like showed her view on the relationship and like who's really the number one to each other person, you know. Mm -hmm. And she ended it with and this is Jade. Jade is my best friend. You know, like, I think that was really eye-opening for Rue to see in the audience. And because, like, you get to see Lexi's perspective. You see that, like, Lexi always thought of Rue as a best friend. And, you know, even though she went and, and spiraled out with drugs, like, she still cared for her, you know? And see, it's a good thing you pointed that out because Grace, too, said during the play, she was saying, at which point did I become hesitant about telling people that Jade was my best friend, you know? And that shows in season one, you know, how she just used to, you know, nonchalantly say, that was my best friend since kindergarten, uh, pre-K. And then you slowly see the separation of them as Rue deep dives more into her drugs. And, you know, Lexi just kind of, veers the other way 
and it's like you know she's she, see she comes for people but she comes for herself too in doing so i think she's admitting she wasn't being a good friend or acting as a best friend it's like uh, i don't even see her coming for people though i feel like she's i don't i don't mean like coming like in an antagonistic way but she's you know she's taking shots at herself as well you know mm -hmm. and i think she's, she's just being real she's, she's being, being honest, honest. Yeah, yeah that that's what i mean yeah that's what i mean yeah. she's being honest it's cool I, to see like the duality of like the uber emotional cassie and then like the logical lexi you know like there's there's the two sides to the the two sisters mm -hmm. and it's funny because you could tell that um lexi was still being maybe emotional or maybe um a little bit uh delusional and it, in her own way like when she's like saying oh um the the, the best thing to happen to me um was when my sister hit puberty um and then she's like if i just wait 433 more days then i'll be just as hot as my sister and then she has that whole sequence where it's kind of like oh you know look at me and everyone wants to date me and everyone wants to be with me and it's kind of giving away her cards because it like it's mimicking the show in that you don't have a reliable narrator because um, Grace in the in the play is telling us one thing, um, and then Grace is doing another thing in the sh in the play, which is very interesting. Wait, I'm confused by that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by I that? Because she. She said 433 days, and then she did like that whole montage of her walking in like the the hallway. But then like she went and she said that she had a conversation with her sister. And she's like, you know what? I actually don't mind like my body. I think my body is fine. She did have yeah. that conversation where she was like talking about it, and like Cat Cassie, I think it was Cassie at the time. It wasn't the um, the doppelganger, but Cassie was like. Um, oh, like, you know, sometimes guys like little boobs or whatever, like that she was saying. So I think she like, it was also like that awakening moment for her too, where like, mm -hmm. okay, like I did hit puberty, like, and I, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm not going to strive to be something that I'm not, you know? And she also yeah. said she'd rather be known for her mind than her body. Right. And that's been her driving point most like for sure mm -hmm. and this play is an example of that too yeah but yeah. i'm just saying that what do you call it um lexi definitely had moments in the in the play where she was telling the audience something and then she was showing the audience something else which i think was kind of like her revealing her hand like saying like oh i don't really have everything figured out does that make any sense no, no. I need okay but like i i I can I can kind of get what you're saying at like it's the um unreliable narrative. I just don't remember any of the examples of that because like I feel like she she really was trying to stay as true as she could to like mm -hmm. react, which I think is why <clears throat> this play is gonna like bite her in the ass later because like when you hold something that true and that real and like you don't even try to hide up like some of like the <laughs> the similarities between your friends, like the thing that that is gonna like Towards the end of the play, she made it. She, everybody knew who um, 
Ethan was, you know, like they knew who his character was supposed to portray. So everyone looked back at Nate and was laughing at him. So like, she was not hiding back any details. She was, I think she was playing like her cards out, you know, for everyone to see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying that like the, the play version of her was believed something to be true, but the audience could see as the play went on, that the, the thing that she believed isn't necessarily oh, true. Yeah, I see. Okay. That's why it's yeah. unreliable. You know what I mean? I think Not it's just the events happen. I wonder if it just has to deal with the fact that the play really is going, following her life in the series of events. So, you know, like over time, like people change and on. So probably like, you know, prior when Cassie first hit puberty, she's like, oh, you know, I want to hit puberty. And then probably like over time, she's just like, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't want that. So I think the play might, it might uh, seem that way just because it's following a series of events that have occurred in her life and that are true to her. <clears throat> so that might be why. I did really like, um, I, I know we all mentioned this earlier, but it's like probably my favorite episode. I think it really explains the dynamic between her and Rue and how she sees it, the dynamic between her and Cassie. Cause honestly, previously I didn't see like Cassie like as a mean sister to her in season one, you know, of course season two, like, you know, as she's going crazy, but that's just, that's just because she's going crazy. But like, you know, seeing it from Lexi's point of view, it's like, it's interesting that like Lexi like doesn't view their bond as close as, you know, what we thought it was in season right. one. And then, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Cosmic, Cosmic Chris should be on right now because he, I already know he'll be, <laughs> I feel like he would be bashing right now you know we know how he feels about Lexi but I honestly feel like as much as like she was putting people's business out there you know she was putting herself out there too like her true vulnerable thoughts and like how she views herself especially you know when she talks about the first time she did we with Rue and how all the bad thoughts came to her mind and how she just felt like she wasn't good enough you know it was very vulnerable and like true to herself so I feel like Again, we'll probably get into this later. I I don't know what happened with the Nate scene. It's funny, but I don't. But I feel like every other character, I feel like she it was just a true depiction on like the events that happened and how she interpreted them. I don't think yeah. she's like really necessarily coming for anyone. I think she might have been afraid like someone like Cassie might take offense to it. Um, but I don't think she considered Nate and how he might take offense to it. He did not. Yeah, no one cares. No, no one cares. Yeah, no. Yeah. Should we? Should we just? <laughs> Should we just dive into the the name Hold or should we save that for the end? Well, I before we do, I just want one last thing about Lexi. It was in the Enter Euphoria, but um when she that one scene where she was getting ice cream with Cassie with, and her dad. Okay, I was going to mention that too. She oh was my god. Petrified and like even my roommate like she was sitting there and she was like, "Oh my god." Like she felt for Lexi like sitting in that back seat and like how terrified Lexi was driving drunk with her dad. You know, like this is, it's something so crazy, but I didn't realize that that exact scene was in season one. Like that was Cassie's point of view was like, oh, bye dad, I love you. Like we're having a great time. But it was now in Lexi's point of view. And she was like terrified of that whole thing. So in the enter euphoria, like it brought back like the fact that that was in season one and like how Cassie was really like, Hey, like I have a really great relationship with my dad. Like I miss him. 
And then now you're seeing Lexi's point of view and she's like, I didn't want to go in the car with my dad. Like I, I, I was terrified for my life. When and, the, when the ice cream fell on her jeans and she started crying, I was like, Oh no, I see, really. And, and she makes in that same quote about, she takes the small moments and dreams of something bigger, but reality always pulls her back. She's very much aware of reality around her, but you know, she kind of just you know she's been quiet and just interpreting in it this whole time in her head with that specific moment you know uh it you know and again it's the comparison with cassie cassie just loves giving love and being loved I, she's I, an I, I i well she said something specifically but i forgot what it is but then you know it's lexi who looks at the bigger picture of it all and it's like it's the middle of the day why is he falling asleep in the middle of the day I think we should call mom and it's her, you know, she's timid and shy to speak out. And then this play is really just a giant metaphor of her finally speaking out her inner thoughts and getting them out. It's and, cathartic. And yes, it's cathartic because imagine had she called her mom that day, you know, uh, you know, talking about, I, I don't think he was drunk. I thought he was high. That's what I, I uh, yeah, because you know he was like doing heroin and whatnot. By the way, I think uh, driving influence was like. Oh yeah, no, 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 no! It was bad, and regardless, yeah, it was bad. Just you know, uh, we could. I want to save Nate or Jake, Jake. Oh, uh, let's let's stick to the Howard family because there was a lot of back and forth between Cassie and Lexi and Marta um, too. Yeah, Marta, and, you know, now that you bring up Marta, oh, Marta played a very, very good sister role to Lexi at points where, yeah, you the know. The sister that, that, that Lexi wished she had, honestly. Because, yes. damn, like, you know what, like. My girl. Maddie just keeps getting, like, as we, as, um, what do you call it? Uh, as Dr. Jace would say, as we peel back the layers <laughs> of Maddie. We, we just keep finding more and more that she really does have it, it, a heart of gold. She really is the jerk with the heart of gold. Um, and it really is, it really, it really was touching when, you know, when Matt, when you see Maddie putting on the, the makeup on Lexi and they have that very intimate moment. And I was like, damn, this is the sister compared that to, to, to literally um, Hallie's thing where, She's being so cold to her sister, basically uncaring, you know. She's not, she's not, um, oh, what's the word? She was never like uh addressing how Lexi was feeling. She was more just kind of saying, it's whatever, it's fine, you know. And it's so weird because like I keep on bringing up that Cassie's very emotional, right? She's very big on empathy and like she's like always trying to put the other person into a brighter or lighter perspective. Um, but she doesn't do that for Lexi, you know, like, or Lexi just doesn't pick up on it. Lexi is like over here thinking that Cassie is so cold, but I think it's like that sibling dynamic. Cause I'm even looking back at like my siblings and like how everyone used to say like, oh, your brother has such a big heart. And I'm like, well, I, what are you talking about? He beats me up. Like, you know, like there's, there's that duality, but like, it's like, it's not until you get older and then you have those conversations that you realize like, oh, actually 
my brother used to like beat me up in a good way, you know, it was to like make sure that like I was doing things like the right way in society. I I don't know if it's empathy. Yeah, really I'm like don't I don't know. I don't feel like Cassie really has big empathy for anyone really other than the men that she's with. Yeah. I think she can be kind yeah. to those around her. I've never really and I feel like the big friend moments that I at least saw in like season one really came from like Maddie. Like if you saw like mm. at the end of the carnival scene when like Cassie was crying, Maddie was the one who hugged her. Yeah. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I just didn't touch him. Like I never really seen Cassie really try to comfort Maddie until it was this season when she was fucking her ex behind her back. Yeah. Because she, she felt guilty. Because she felt guilty. And she get felt and she and then that scene where she's like throwing up all over the place, you know, and, and crying. She's saying, I'm sorry, Maddie, but I don't think it was to because she genuinely felt bad about what she or, or that she no. that she felt what Maddie was feeling more that she felt bad that she that she wronged Maddie. Yes. I think it was very I think I think this season more so um Cassie has been very much self-centered and in her head and only had like the only person that she's ever been like oh but he needs you know he needs this and he does that is Nate. Um I even I even would will go as far to say <laughs> I wanted to make a joke that said Oh, she's an empath, like a, a TikTok empath, where it's like, yeah, I'm at Cherbernil, guys. Um, I think something bad happened here. I'm an empath. <laughs> please, t- <laughs> please tell me you've seen those memes. If I am has, not. If, if it's like those funny. memes, with like the like the girlfriend is like yelling at at the guy, and then he's like, "I'm an empath," empath? and I'm set right now. I'm doing, yes, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. say okay. this. If she was an empath or more empathetic, she would have opened that bathroom door and talked to Maddie. Yeah. Because oh, man. when Maddie said that, like it kind of like it brought me to a whole new realization. Like when she was like, I feel like he's just trying to control. Like it turned instead of us thinking that it's all on Cassie, that like Cassie's the one who did it to us now being like, you know what? This isn't really about Cassie. This is about Nate trying to like ruin Maddie's life. Yeah, Nate is a manipulator. And mm-hmm. Cass, I mean, Maddie looked at it, yeah, as this is just another way of Nate manipulating the situation, trying to make Maddie feel some type of way. And it's absolutely true. Uh, and here we'll see, we see we are like uh, easily uh, uh, merging into Nate conversation. But, you know, in his little fantasies, He's dressing up her as Maddie. He's dressing her up as Jules. You know, Nate. Oh, don't even get me started on that dream sequence. But we'll we'll save that for later. Let, yeah, we'll let Nate get whatever he wants, and that's what Cassie is willing to give. But if also, she was an empath, she would have talked to her friend. I feel like she has a backbone. She's a jellyfish, and mm. she just right. wants you know, the attention off. So harsh on my girl Cassie. I, I will. Listen, I love. I used to love my baby girl, but sh- this season, I feel like just really showed her true colors. And she's, she's having a feeling arc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, so I, I feel for her, and you know, I understand that she seeks validation through men, but it's just like, where, like, where is your morals? Like, to a certain extent, like, I know they're in high school, but I know I had some sense of a moral compass in high school like especially someone i feel like who 
went out of her way for her and was so near like those scenes we saw they were so close you know she this was like a person this wasn't just like any friend this was someone who let she let stay with her and then someone who she comforted for months or not for months but for weeks when her and her ex broke up and was really again it's really well, I was going to say, like, we get, like, an idea of it, like, when she was with Nate in the room, you know? Like, she goes and she's saying, like, um, you can dress me how you want. You can touch me how you want. You can do whatever, how you want. You can tell me who All to be friends with? What are you doing? I'll be damned if I ever let a man tell me who I can be friends but, with. You know, but, like, that's the thing is that, like, she says, All I ask in return is love. And okay. I think it's because she doesn't, she didn't have that loving father figure she over imaginatized this idea or over i can't think of the right word for this but she created this fantasy of what her dad was because she was looking for that validation from a guy from that loving aspect so she thinks that if she worked like from her works she's going to get love if she does what he says she's going to get love and it's kind of toxic but that's I feel like for a lot of developing youth, there's a lot of people that feel like if I do my work, I'm going to get love and reciprocation back. I'm, I gotta, I gotta just jump in like, here and say, I feel like say, I gotta, yeah. No, I just I want to give I, a quote, Nino, real quick before. Go ahead. I'm just gonna say the quote. This quote was used in the show, and then you could take it. How they all thought they knew what love felt, and because they didn't know how it felt it was intoxicating whatever yeah. form they came in all right yeah there fantastic you go. it was a fantastic quote but you brought up um looking for parental figures in um romantic partners and now i have to go and erase the board that i have in my office saying days that we have mentioned freudian psychoanalysis um yeah, there's a lot of unpack there. I didn't want to get there, but we got there. Sure. Cassie does look for her dad uh, in in her partners. Um, she looks for that validation of a parental figure, um, and it's it's really, it's really you know it's really sad uh, because we got the interiority of Cassie in season one, where we found that Cassie held the relationship with her father to such a high extent. You know, that scene where he comes and gets all the things and he only talks to her, he only mentions her, he only calls her, and she was the last one to see her. She holds that deeply. And I think, oh, I think really ultimately, this, this season has a lot of explaining to do because with, with her character, because we still have not mentioned the thing that happened at the end of season one. And I feel like this, that probably has a huge role Wait, what happened at the end of season one? The abortion. abortion. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that was kind it's, of, right. Yeah. And it's, I know it's such an important thing. They, it, it ended the season and then they gave so much interiority to that. And now it's kind of like been thrown out. Like, I feel like this is too close, like, to say that it, it didn't have any, you know, effect on the, the spiral that she's taken now. Um, if not, I would just be like, oh, they just moved on. And that was season one, Cassie. And this is season two. This is Haley. This is, you know, not, this is season two, Cassie. I mean, I it's think not... that after, like actions have reactions, right? Like, so mm -hmm. if like 
she not a failed relationship with McKay, but like I think like since the relationship didn't go as she expected, and she was like trying to find love with him, I think she is trying to change the scenario in a way where it's like, all right, if I do good works, if I go and I'm exactly how you want me to be, like to, all I'm asking for is love. Like I just want love back. I'm I'm air quoting love because like it's it's what they the thought idea was, of the love. idea of right. it's affirmation really it's not it's not love it's it's a affirmation it's being told that you're you know like you're worth it that you're um that you're okay but it's not understanding it's not being seen yeah i mean at the end of the day i feel for cassie i know she's a bit of a monster in this season mm-hmm. but i'm yeah. gonna hold tight yeah. to She's just stupid. No, she broke girl code. Listen, I understand that a lot of women go through seeking validation through men and I want love. But I feel like the biggest foundation in all us women is that there is girl code and you do not date your best friend's ex. That is one thing you never do. Especially, well, I think think the whole point of this show, and it's going to pain me to say this, for one of these characters, but I, I, this is like, I think what the show's thesis is, and they mentioned that Rue hits a low point this season and that she just wants to remind everyone. Remember that post that she made on social media that she just wants to remind everyone? Come back and be redeemed. That, yes, when you hit your low, that you're not irredeemable. And that you're still worthy of love. Yes. So I think, I think for a lot of these characters, even though they do, you know bad things they're still worthy of love to some extent and uh, it pains me to say it for for nate's case because he really it really is looking that he's an irredeemable piece of shit and there's no running from that i know and that's a good point too it's just so hard because you know i love my girl maddie and what they put her through i just again i love Cassie too, but it's just she just made me so angry. Made me so angry. This season, like we get to see Maddie in a whole new light. You know, like I'm seeing such a soft side of Maddie that I'm loving it. You know, what you see. Oh, go ahead, Nisa. I was gonna say she had a lot of soft moments in seasons when I think they were just overshadowed by the fact of like all her bad moments in season one because she was with Nate but she had a lot of really soft moments in season one I just don't think anyone else picked up on them because again she was a lot crazier in season one because and, she and was also, with Nate yeah and also like some of her more iconic moments like when she called uh, Nate's mom a cunt and uh <laughs> and she's like I know I'm not supposed to be here because I'm just like a just like hooker. a hooker iconic let me and again, I've been looking at this. I, I feel this episode had a lot of quotes that really kind of mm-hmm. ring true for why the characters do what they do or whatever. Maddie said when she was putting on that makeup to Lexi, she said, 90% of life is confidence and nobody knows if it's true. And that was a really good that quote really coming quote. from Maddie because you don't know what's true when she does what she does because it doesn't matter if it's true. It's confidence. Confidence doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be fake. It's she, whatever anybody uh, assumes of what you're exerting with that confidence. It is yeah. It is not for you. It is for the reception of what people perceive. 
yes. that's such a good quote because you we see the softer side of Maddie, as y'all yeah. said. And, and and we see the right, they break her down too. Like this yeah. he puts on this facade like she's the bad, you know, like the bad bitch. I mean, she still is a bad bitch, but you know that she can, you know, but I feel like Nate like just slowly like helps us like see past that, especially mm-hmm. like from the last scene from last episode. Yes. And I just think like we brought so many quotes. I think the writing of this episode specifically, like how the screen, like the screenplay was written, how the episode was written, how it was shot, how it was edited. Fantastic. Probably the best episode on in terms of writing and direction in Euphoria, because it's like you had like episode five, um, where it definitely had like that real raw intensity, but it it was banking more on the fact that it was real and raw you know these emotions these scenes were real and raw than like the writing you know this is the time where everything comes together where like the dialogue is good the 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 theming the timing the the, um all the characters are put in their place this is like a you know a a conductor mastering the orchestra 100 percent. yeah i i definitely agree with that the writing is top notch here because i these episodes where it's not you know action heavy or you know those uh um what do you call them those shock value moments you know rue and her spiral in episode five was very shocking and you're never gonna forget that moment but it's these quieter (laughs) it's these little moments the smallest moments that lexi mentioned where you dream up something bigger, but then reality pulls you back. And the reality is they're just kids in high school. But um, Jake, AKA Nate, we've been teetering over his name. Oh, we, can, we can talk about him. Um, I, I feel like I mentioned this earlier and you guys brought up like a good point. Um, I really do, whether it's by Cal or not, I do think he was sexually assaulted as a kid which Ooh. can explain so much of why he has rage. And then maybe it might make sense, like, you know, why he did, once he did start seeing Cal's, you know, tapes, it might've made him more angry at Cal because maybe, you know, he was sexually assaulted by a guy. And maybe once after mm-hmm. seeing those tapes and seeing Cal, like, you know, be with other men, maybe he associates Cal, like, with whoever sexually assaulted him, whether it's Cal or yeah. someone else. And I mean, it just made him more angry at Cal. I don't know. That's my theory. If that theory... Through, then maybe like him watching those tapes is more reassurance that like okay maybe i'm not the only one he's like doing this to other people and it's making me feel better that he's doing this to other people which no that's that's where i think that's where i think like i, I like heart stop i don't think that cal i really don't think that cal sexually assaulted his son i think i don't think what, so. yeah i think what nieces said is more likely that someone else did it and then because someone else did it and he didn't tell anyone, and then he saw his dad, um, you know, his dad's okay. tapes, it kind of made that connection to him. Um, and even, and that makes sense with the, with the dialogue of the show because Cal literally says, Cal and his mom literally say, we literally have no I idea. Yeah, we don't understand you. We don't understand what happened with you. Um, and, and that's one of the last thing Cal says. He's like, I really, you're one of my biggest mistakes. I have no idea what's wrong. You know what I mean? 
So ultimately, ultimately, and also just the plain fact that they gave Cal so much interiority in this season, they really made you understand his psyche. They really wanted you to feel for Cal. Um, but ultimately, I don't think they would do that if Cal ends up being revealed as the person who sexually assaulted me. I don't think that that would be a good move for the show. Um, just because then you're going to look back on it and be like, they gave a lot of interiority. They gave a lot of backstory to a pedophile. Yeah. That's a good point because I think it's also like for him to say, I don't even know who you are. Like, I think it, he if he would have done that, he would have been like, you know, saying something else along those, yeah. like something a little different, you know, like grow up from like whatever, like gaslighting him in a way, you know. But yeah, um, yeah this is, I mean, it's a lot. It, it's really heavy to have those conversations or even to see it on TV, you know, like, and it kind of reminds me of in season one, stunting like my daddy, you know, like things that like he was doing that was just like how his dad was and him trying to like always like get the, um, everything he did, he tried to get the effect of his dad. So it would make sense that he's trying to be like his dad after he sees those tapes especially after somebody else did it to him possibly so ooh, what if it's a plot twist that it was, like somehow it was derek that did that to him do you oh, think no no i don't think so yeah i think it, ever... i think yeah go ahead no go ahead nino i say oh. something else so i i really do think it's a third player that we haven't like a, a third party we haven't thought about because all the all the evidence to me is pointing to that direction especially with Cal's exit and Nate like almost obsessing about his father I really do feel like if anything did happen it's going to be someone like maybe it's tied into the third child but literally we have no idea we'll see the thing with the third child because I like to think that Cal is not he's a man who's made many mistakes that's not without question but he's not, I don't think he would do something like that either uh, to his children. But Nate finding the videos is validation for, or reinforcement of the idea that uh, what happened to me was maybe okay. Cause my dad is doing it to other people. And yeah. that's when it becomes twisted because when he goes to school and they're taught about sexual assault or being gay or, you know, whatever they talk about in their family, as far as, you know, if you're uh, homosexual or anything of the sort, he's probably taught that's wrong. And so now he's confused. He's a confused child. And I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily that he was taught that it was wrong, but because like that whole season one episode, it was the fact that guys schlongs were everywhere. He hated like the male anatomy, right? So I wonder if it has something to do with the actual male anatomy and not necessarily like anything homophobic. I think it's it really is something well, to do with I think it's all rooted back into that because as we saw in Cal's background, there was a slight undertone of any kind of homosexual tendency or anything that wasn't deemed manly was looked yeah. down upon. And so But I don't think that Cal would have done that at his home. I don't think he no, would have I, said I don't think he did it outright. I think the society that they build up with the nuclear family 
and their family being the perfect idealism of what a family should look like gives what said gives way to the idea of he can't do certain things if he's obsessed with the male anatomy he's not supposed to uh what he saw on his dad's video he knows his dad can't let that come out because that's why he's got under lock and key but what i'm starting to think now with this third brother because uh, i said it last week too if you were abused usually you continue the abuse you know and what dark and nate that they don't know of well we don't even know what happened to this brother but i would hate to think that nate abused his younger brother you know um because we've already seen nate abuse maddie and we've seen nate you know get into abusive territory with cassie and whatnot so it's it's secular it's secular i don't know because i think that if if nate would have abused his younger brother um they would have made a bigger deal of him choking out maddie but that's the thing we don't know what happened to the younger brother a b the family is twisted because the mom the parents both knew he choked her out and all they did was try to cover it up and the mom in the last episode clearly didn't care uh, you know because you know yeah. she just got called a cunt so she was like yeah i would have choked her too um but she gave more validation to the fact that he choked her so the yeah. parents right now are not in a good place of parenting uh they are not the ideal parents that should be given any advice yeah shout out to what do you call it cassie and lexi's mom for seeing her character oh, just be a too. drunk on stage and <laughs> her being like yep that's me that really is me he was so proud of her baby girl uh, that was so funny i but, she cracked me up yeah. the whole, like, she, she was, was the one she owned it she's like that's me that's supposed to be me right and when ethan first came out as her <laughs> she's she was so funny she is i like it's uh see, we're talking about parenting now you know I mean, Suze ain't no ideal parent either because she's an alcoholic. No, she's always, right? Yeah. Right, that's understood. Is that understood? Yeah. But yeah. Like, oh, that's what I interpret. I Yeah, that's yeah. how I interpret it. From the wine glass well. always being in her hand. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, oh, so but like, it's like, they even alluded to her. They said like, oh, my husband told me I should go to AA. Oh, he made her yes. go to AA once. Yeah. Yeah. Because go. while he got into, while he got into like hard drugs, she got into alcohol. Yeah. Right, and, and that drove them apart, kind of. Well, not kind it's, of. Uh, it's interesting because I don't want to say Suze is a bad parent because I, you see inklings of a good parent in her, you know. Her parents perfect though. Right, yeah, no I parents think she really. does. I think she does her best. I mean, she's no again ideal parent. Neither was Fez's grandma. Neither mm-hmm. Leslie. Which we didn't talk about. Oh no, Leslie's next since we're <laughs> Ooh, on this parent we topic. To we're on this parent Leslie. topic. Yeah, uh, but I don't feel like there's an ideal parent, but I feel sure. like out of all the parents in the shows, is definitely my favorite because at least her and Leslie at least like you know try to keep their kids you know accountable for their actions for the most part. They do try. Yeah, yeah. they you actually yeah. she loves her kids. You know, like she really loves her kids. Yeah. And if anything, too, Sue's owns it Suze and leslie own whatever mistakes they've made or are making they own it you know uh i I didn't realize that Suze and leslie were like such good friends too well they know their kids known each other since pre-k so yeah 
and like that funeral scene when she was there and like Rue's mom like literally went to her as like a confidant a barrier like you know like uh one of those like man like I just I don't want to talk to anybody I'm gonna come to you because you are my safe space you know like it, it was it was really cool because I didn't see that side of the parents relationship and like you see the kids relationships but you don't think about like how the parents might know each other or how they interact with each other you know i mean i think it's it's more common i mean we should have kind of realized this i mean if you ever had a friend growing up your parents meet and they become friends as y'all become friends no never okay I mean, not, yeah, not really. yeah that's happened <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a common thing. Not the it's best of friends, but like yeah, no, not the best of friends, but, but they become I, friends. Yeah, they become friends, and obviously that carried over when Rue was doing the run of Rue, and you know they had she called yeah, she Leslie, called, she called it right away. Right, exactly, exactly, and she's very sympathetic to Rue and everything, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, Leslie, um, oof, that scene, it's it's. Like well, it's interesting coming off of the ending scene of the last episode, you know, mm -hmm. she's just begging for help and begging for, you know, someone to help her daughter from killing herself. And I don't know. It's now she's like, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. I'm going to focus on Gia. Yeah. She's an way, angel. It's like a reverse psychology. Like, you know what? If you want to fuck up your life, go ahead, do it. You know, like I'm, there's only so much that I can do. And, yeah. you know, like if I'm between, like she said it, like if I'm between losing two daughters or one, I'm just going to lose one. I can't bear to lose both. Yeah. And, and I don't think it really, it, it's a reverse psychology. I really just think that that's consequences. Like, you know how Ali was always talking about like how people may lose faith in you. And he's like, I think that's fair. This is what, this is one thing that he was trying to prep room for ultimately like her mom just being like look i can't control like give it like finally accepting the fact i can't control you anymore she i could never control me. you yeah you, you broke me she says yeah. so if you want to kill yourself i have to make sure that the other like our other one's good and you know it it's a tough thing as a parent but I've, i think i've heard that and I don't know if I've seen it in real life or in a TV. So maybe my mind is blocking me of where I heard that. But I definitely heard that. Like, this is very, you know, a very real scene in this episode. And I think seeing Rue at the play, showered, um, you know, seemingly sober is very good sign. Like, maybe this is the, the thing that, like, gets her to be like, I really have to start making an effort because if not, my family is going to find a way to live without me. And well, I think that's devastating. Also, too, you know, Rue is not looking at the bigger picture of things. They flash back to when she's in bed with Gia and she says, you know, I don't know anything about your life, you know. And then Gia says, I'll tell you more when you come back from rehab. And then flash forward to her and Leslie on the couch. She's like, Gia's fine. And Leslie breaks down that she's not fine. She's like failing math. She's like always on her phone doing smoking weed and stuff. Detention. And detention. Right. And it just puts it in perspective of how not sleeping. Yeah. Rue is not 
seeing how what she's doing is truly affecting everybody. I mean, I think she sees it in the moment as far as she understands all oh, the doors broken. I did that, you know, uh, I'm I'm in withdrawal. That's on me. But and Leslie even pointed it out. She's like, all you, all you care about is yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a tough thing to hear. It really is a tough thing to hear sometimes, but she needed it. Yeah. yeah. She definitely needed it. Um, I hope this really drives home for her. Yeah. Sometimes you need it. Especially because, like, again, um, as much as we empathize with Rue and understand, like, what a disease like an addiction can do, I feel like oftentimes the people that are around them, that love and care for them, they're forgotten. And just, like, as much as it is a disease that's affecting this person, it's also affecting the people around them. Especially someone like Gia, who's so young. And again, she her mom has did this in season one, like Gia idolizes Rue. And to see like mm-hmm. someone that you idolize, which I mean, it's hard. You shouldn't ever really idolize someone, but you know, when you're young, you can't help it. They're impressionable. When yeah. Exactly. When Plus it's like- a older sibling that you look up to. Yeah. And just like see, her act that way and just it's just heartbreaking so i'm glad i'm glad leslie said that even though it was kind of tough to hear because like i did feel like a little stinging for rue but i feel like it was something she needed to hear and it was so refreshing to see her so healthy and so sober during the play so i i I wonder if that that scene was like before the play happened so like hopefully that really stuck with her yes i imagine every scene outside of the play happened prior to the play to the play yeah yeah, yeah. and then the play and, probably just kind of hit it home more you know yeah. oh man yeah. speaking scenes prior to the play i think this is probably the last person we need to talk about fez well, real, oh, oh, did, we, did we miss anything no. we missed the nate dance i'm pretty sure oh we'll we can, gotta talk about ethan before oh, we talk about fez. fez for a second was that homophobic or not we were having this discussion earlier i didn't Wrong find that. it homophobic i i uh <laughs> i think the, reverse it's hard. toxic masculinity or you know like it was like these guys are such like oh i'm a jock like you know like oh you know like you know what i mean like it is like that toxic masculinity and then like from an outsider perspective to look at it and just kind of make fun of it in a way it i think i don't know if that was considered homophobic it's um it's, it's irony it's just it's it's situational it's irony. satire but yeah, but it's a the, satire but, right okay but okay but humor still requires a vehicle humor still requires an intent and so the v like i think that the the point or the the agreed upon knowledge that we've all considered to be considered funny in this joke is that it's funny because nate is presuming nate is gay and either people find that completely ridiculous or they find it completely to hit home but they'll still the still what's funny about it is that nate is gay however Here's the here's the the issue that I'm see I that's weird because I didn't even take it as Nate necessarily being gay I took it as more of like machismo as like actions and stuff and like how 
ironic it is that like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna pump iron with my bros and like mm. I am not gay. It's like, a it's a it's a it's, it's a dick contest. Whose dick is bigger? It is. Yeah. Um, I, but when you're well, when you're, I, I really like, watched it three. I still times, took it as Nate being gay though. Yeah, yeah when you, I feel when like you when you took <laughs> it, when you're doing the dance moves and they're just they're not even they're not even subtle. They're just humping each other <laughs> on stage. And that and everyone's laughing it. because it's like, oh my God, it's so ridiculous. Ha ha ha. Like still the, the point is is that it's funny because it's gay. You know what I mean? So it's ugh, it's, it's no, see, like, there. Because I thought of it as like, you know, when you try so hard not to be something, and then mm -hmm. someone points out that like you do know that you're you're kind of doing the exact thing that you're trying not yes. to be. Like that's how I took it. Like they're so like, oh yeah, like toxic. Like he was like, hey bro, like yeah, you want to like feel my muscle, yeah. but it's not gay, you know. Like that's how I took it, you know. Or it's like that's how they were kind of making fun of the whole thing, and like, yeah, maybe it's, it's just... rooted in some sort of homosexuality. But I think it's like I don't know if it was necessarily pointed directly at Nate. I think it was just all of the football bros or basketball yeah. bros, whatever sport. Whether or not and it was I, directly pointed at him, he took it. He yeah. took and it. I, and I'm, yeah, Mike. and I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote um, my Fizz. partner, Dan. I'm, oh, wait, 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 wait. I have a, I have, I have a genuine comment. Uh, I have to quote my partner, Dan, in, um, because they mentioned something that says, some, look, sometimes you can't really uh, be worried about if something is going to like, like, tread the line or not in this case sometimes you just have to be messy um and that's exactly what lexi did some lexi was definitely a little bit messy with that scene but i think we were all thankful for it. yeah 100 yeah, it was freaking hilarious i'm just like so confused on what her attention because i feel like throughout the whole play we understand that her intention is really to just tell the story of five friends you know mm -hmm. who kind of separated and really tell her perspective how she interpreted things I just cannot get a, a grip on what her intentions were behind that, other than to just call out Nate and just make fun of him, make him. I don't like think she likes Nate at all. Yeah, that, that one was definitely. Oh, wow. That was what a personal. Think? Right. Right. Yeah. But did, <laughs> did Maddie go and talk to Lexi and Kat in the mall when she discovered the dick pics on his phone? No, uh, she talked to. Maddie Kat talked to Kat at the and mall Cassie. and Cassie, Cassie at school. And then Cassie told Lexi. Oh, no, right? she, no, I think Kat, Maddie told Cassie at the carnival. And then oh, you're right. at you're the right. carnival, Cassie was, you know, on Molly and she accidentally told Lexi. And then that's how Lexi found out. So the, and, yes. and I mean, nothing that ever like denied that, it, for, you know? So yeah. like, this, this is perception reality, you know, like, Oh, here's this jock that now has other guys' penises on his phone. Like, <laughs> it's like a whole toxic masculinity thing, or you know. And this is her just kind of like satiring it up and just making it into the comedic portion of the play. It was still directly aimed at Nate, though. All right. Yeah, it's oh, it's a lot of. I love her so much. <laughs> it's a lot of. I look. I can't. I can't really talk about the politics of harm because we've seen so much shit from Nate that we're at this point we're like, all right, you need to be below like six feet under right now, please. 
Like th- like a, three episodes ago, you should have been six feet up. And he's only gotten worse. Right. So uh, it's really... Don't you, think, it, like, yeah. don't you think like people would, if like something did happen to Lexi, they would know who it was because of, you know, he she attacked him? I don't know. You're damn, you're damn right. I don't um, know. It's like attacking a lot of other people too. So it could be how people perceive different things. I thought it was actually kind of cool that like during like that whole dance mob, anytime they showed Nate, like the the light would turn red. red. So he was yes. clenching his red. fist too. Like he was just like so pissed at it all. Mm-hmm. And when he tells and... Cassie to pack up her shit and leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> manipulative your fucking sister. Abuse. How else yeah. would she know? <laughs> <laughs> pack up your shit and leave. And you know what? Like if it would be even funnier if Lexi didn't know. Because ultimately, like, that could have just been Lexi's interpretation of footballers as, as, you know, in general. But there's just so much implication. And Nate took it to, <laughs> Nate, Nate really, um, to quote Jabuki on Twitter, um, he says, Nate is sending, uh, already sending those don't come to school tomorrow texts. Oh, my God. Stop. 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 <laughs> No, I, I don't even think we're gonna see the next day at school. We're gonna see the remainder of the play, right? Yeah, right. And then, like uh, Fez. we're gonna see the Fez. remainder of what happened with Fezco. Uh, Fez. I don't think anything's gonna happen to Fez. I think something's gonna happen to Ashtray, though. Did you not see the? I do, but <laughs> I, I don't think that was his blood. I did not see the preview. He was. I did not see the preview. <laughs> literally being like sat on by the police or something i feel like oh, what the fuck? if you haven't noticed some of the previews are kind of um misleading previews yes, are because always misleading because the preview before um with the whole gun scene you know it had where it shot the scene where like the gun was on the seat and like the disc was next to it and then it went to maddie's face so it made us all think oh maddie has the gun in the disc, so she's gonna shoot Nate. So I feel like that sneak peek just like wants us to think something happened to Fez, but I don't think anything happened to Fez. Maybe the point we'll, is we'll this see. Fez will know. always be an empty seat from my favorite movie, Spider Man 2. Oh. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Don't. <laughs> goodbye. You're just another empty seat. I don't know, but I look, just know next week. Look, <laughs> Lexi's gonna go in on Fez and be like, um, Rue, high out of her mind, came to my show. Oh, uh, Maddie, Maddie came to my show. Cat came to my show. Even my dumbass sister and Nate Jacobs came to my show. But my best friend, my lover, stand by me. Could even be the six thirty curtain call. And then, and what do you call it? And then it's gonna be even funnier when what do you call it? Lexi's telling this through the through his one phone call <laughs> that he gets. <laughs> and then it's like, time's up. Stop. Uh, oh, I, don't I don't know. I'm so nervous. I feel like Fez is going to be not OK, but I don't think he's going to die. I really do. Feel I don't like think he's going to die. I think there's just he's he's definitely not going to be OK. But what's going to happen? Because yeah. that one dude, I don't even know his name. He's Custer. just Custard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Custer. Custard or <laughs> Custer? Custer. He's just trying to get them on audio, right? To admit about yeah. mouse. I don't know if he's packing oh. anything, 
But, you know, Ash got the knife. Uh, well, he got the hammer, didn't he? No, no, he no, grabbed he the knife. He grabbed a knife. Oh. And um, I, saw, I saw a really funny meme. And it's like Ash just kind of looking stone-faced. And he's like, you whispering in my house? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> no, but they were they were lady, and he was just there yeah. staring. Like, well, because everything was fine to... until the dude showed up. Yeah. Faye needs to come clean. Faye needs to tell She needs to open her big mouth. Oh, I need Faye to come clean. I'm like, come on, Faye. Literally. Come on. Lo- I don't think she's like going really to. Love this man. I know. Like I feel like she's like... conflicted. It seemed yeah. like she's conflicted because it's like, on the one hand, like, she really does, like, love Custer. That's her, you know, man. I was a writer. Die. But then, like, there's Fez. Who's Fez treated her oh, so I was- Fez and, and Ash have been doing good to her, right? Yeah, no, I was, I was talking more about, when I said this man, I was talking about Fez. She really oh. loves Fez. Like she's, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. If someone goes to the trouble of ironing a suit and dress shirt for you, oh they yeah, love you. they really yeah. love you. Is a good he person. So good. He looks so good, all cleaned up with like the roses and everything. And he was like, "All right." And he texted her like, "I'm on my way." Like he was so excited for it. And then like <laughs> nothing, and it's just like, oh. First, last season, he gets raided, like, at towards the end of the season. And then, like, now this season, who knows what the fuck's going to happen? Why is always something always bad has to happen to Fez? Because I said it. Fez cannot live this life. He has to choose one or the other. That's why Ashtray doesn't have these problems. Granted, he's only, like, 12. But he's only, like, 12. Ashtray is fully invested into that world. You can't have half measures, Fez Cole. Uh, or someone is going to get hurt. But it's in a hard room because, like, that's, like, his grandma's business and that's, like, what's keeping the money coming in for them to keep her Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely definitely hard. And he's definitely still growing. He's young and he's he's a teen, too, right? He's their age. He's 18. He's 18, I think. He's 18? Mm -hmm. Okay. But, like, it's either you're... It's either you're all the way two feet in or you can't have one foot out. And when you have one foot out, that's when you run into these. Uh, I think that's why he likes Lexi, because like, in a way, that's his escape. Like he can kind of like, OK, you know what? Maybe maybe I can leave this world behind. No doubt. But if he's going to leave the world, he has to leave the world. He's still Bro, in the world. I don't world. think it's that easy to just be like, all right. I'm not going to sell dope anymore. You know, like, well, I mean, he hasn't still, said okay. that. He hasn't said that at all. Uh, he's true. very much still invested. He just thinks he can live this life, but everything is going to catch up. Like, yeah. you can't kill a person and then not catch up. He didn't kill anybody. He's he's part of it. He helped cover part. it up. He's an accessory to a first degree felony. Well, was it first degree? Oh, we need did he try to kill them? Mouse tried to kill yes. them? Yes. Yes, he did. Fine. He had the gun. He was... Yep. yep. Fine. Then you reported <laughs> self-defense. But now the yeah, fact that they cover it up is a problem. And I have charges against me. Yep. Unless they After... were already raided. They were already raided yep. at that. Yep. Right. They were already raided. So there would be nothing to find. Yeah. But, but they already charge against them. Yeah, what charge? It's not. It's not. It's just not looking good. Yeah, like, no, it doesn't. Oh, right, right. You're right. It doesn't look good. Um, but um, the enemy. 
I don't think he's making it to the play come next episode. I don't, I don't... think he's gonna make it. I'm so sad. No. I don't think we're gonna get as much any more Fexy content this season. Well, no, we're gonna get a Fexy. We're gonna get Fexy at the funeral. That's their last. Uh... Stop. The only the only kiss is gonna be Lexi kissing Fez in the casket. That's what's yeah. gonna happen. Stop! Mm -hmm. Do not say that. He's not dying. I rebuke that. They're gonna name uh, that seat the Fezco seat in that auditorium. He doesn't even go there. <laughs> They're still gonna name it after him. It is Lexi's what it is. Gonna, Lexi's gonna take uh, Ashtray's knife and engrave Fez's name in there. <laughs> or shoot, you mean you know this could be the start. This could be Lexi's villain origin story with the yeah, death of Fezco. You know, maybe oh, Lexi God. will take over the business next. And then oh, she feature right her and rue side by side also one last thing before we end the cast um what was the intention of that the lady that um hires maddie to be like the babysitter and like her giving her the gift and stuff because we never really came to like a conclusion as to like her weird uh swimming pool gathering and then like her giving the dress and the camera in the room like, I feel like that storyline is still kind of open. Yeah, I don't feel like she, I don't know. I didn't see it as, I mean, definitely when we just saw that she was like recording Maddie, I feel like that in a way came off as creepy vibes, but like she didn't, I feel like it was just a camera in her room, just like make sure no one stole shit, especially like you're leaving a teenager in your house. Like I would have cameras and shit, especially if I have nice things. You never know, especially when they're young. But... Oh. Was that one of the dresses that she tried on originally? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the dresses that she kept trying on too. So she was like. So then she was probably just like saw the footage and was like, okay, like here's a little gift because I know you really. Maddie didn't steal anything. She just tried it on. So I feel like. I I think she's still kind of being preyed upon by this lady. Really? Little, uh, I, we So you missed uh, when we talked about this a little bit last week. It's just. Yeah. It's again, these are children. They are impressionable. Um, Maddie finds comfort in her because what she lost in a friendship with Cassie is being replaced by this girl who's very much like her. And as we said, you can have a friendship. What we said was the drawing point was when she said, let's go drunk and get in the pool. That was kind of the red flag. Um, and now she's, you know, kind of buttering her up a little bit, giving her gifts and whatnot. Now again, this could be taken wildly out of context. Yeah, she could just be just a very kind woman, very much so. She's a cool mom. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a regular mom. Or she might have some ul ulterior motive. Don't I'm, know. But like Maddie's leaving anyways. Like she's not being his babysitter anymore. So if something were to happen, would have happened already? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really care about this lady either way. Yeah, because I don't know where it's going. Uh, um, it's also, one Elliot. other... Elliot? Do you think, well, I was going to say, Elliot, I was going to say, do you think now, after the play, Ethan's going to get, like, a lot of, like, buzz in school and it's going to be, like... Everybody's oh, for sure. And then Kat is going to try to get back together with Ethan and he's going to be like, uh, no, it's okay. I hope so. I don't. I hope they don't get back together. But I would. I hope love they don't get back thing. together. But I hope she tries to do that, and he's like, "Um, bitch, bye," because 
the way she ended that relationship was just so he did not deserve that no he did not deserve that she and this is kind of what she wanted oh we're gonna this is gonna be it after this i know uh, i know we're going on oh no we're good it's okay it's okay <laughs> but that is what she kind of wanted i think was that kind of man i guess this kind of just exerts this boring yes you know, right control you know a little control i feel like he very much didn't do that for her oh no he did he that was. for himself yes um and i'm proud of him i'm proud all the ethans are proud of ethan uh after last night go oh my god go <laughs> I just, ethan i just noticed that <laughs> i just put two and two together i'm like what? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Who's Ethan? I've never heard of him. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know any Ethan's. I don't know. So such a weird oh, great group. I know. Um, but yes, I'm proud of the boy. He had so, multiple roles. Yeah. So next up, I guess the last episode needs to cover up on, you know, is Ruth still sober? Is she aiming to continue being sober? Is Maddie going to kick Cassie's ass? Because I've been waiting for that for the past two episodes and I haven't seen it. It's not going to happen. I hope it does. Just a little bit, like a little swing. Just give me a swing. That's all I want. My final prediction is, as far as that topic goes, Maddie is going to come to the defense of Lexi and Cassie is going to come for Lexi because, you know, Nate just left her in shambles. So she's going to blame Cassie. I'm sorry. She's going to blame Lexi. And Maddie is going to defend Lexi. She's going to kick that ass. Kick that ass. Very much might kick that ass. Yes. In the sneaky peeky, they showed, um, what is it, Cassie, like, running on stage. And then Maddie following after her. Exactly. So here comes Maddie to the rescue. Yep. Yes. Yes. Go, Maddie. We will see. And then we did. You know what happens to Fez. Yep, I guess we're all gonna find out next. Episode. Oh my god! I'm not it ready. shall be a day. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to see it live. Oh my gosh, I won't be able to either. Why? Because <laughs> we're gonna be we're on a cruise. Out of town. Oh dang! Ah! Yeah, Monday morning. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Oh my god! Wi-Fi package. I'm watching it on the crew. We decided not to get it. I think we got it. You know, stop. Stop. Listen. Thank you everybody for joining tonight's edition of the Yonko table covering Euphoria episode seven, the penultimate episode of season two. Catch us next week for the what is sure to be quite the finale with the conclusion of the play and the conclusion of all these plot lines oh my gosh we're living we're here for it shout out to dar shout out to nisa's pieces shout out to nino desplazado catch us on twitter facebook instagram all your social medias catch us on all your podcast viewing stations including youtube apple podcasts and spotify we got you covered with your euphoria content uh, we love that you uh, like listening to us uh, let us know your thoughts on what you think is going to happen in the finale but without further ado I'm Grandmaster Hoop Nisa's Pieces Darce Neil Desplazada had to step out look we signing out y'all take care everybody